of the number 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Your calls, you got pain questions, you got health questions. Dr. Lewis here to answer them over the uh, next hour live. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. In the meantime, free consultations at the clinic, info at paincarecanada.com. And you can always call the number anytime, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. What's the uh, the week that was? A look back. What's happening, pal? The week that was. How are you, Yeah, John? I'm good, man. I'm excellent. It's a nice day out there. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, for sure. Lots of cases uh, that have come in. Uh, one interesting case that I wanted to talk about was a gentleman, middle-aged. Uh, uh, he was complaining of... What 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 happened was he had a shoulder problem on one side mm-hmm. uh, that eventually cleared up. It took about a year or so to, to clear up on its own. And then he came to see me because the same problem started on the left side, or okay. what he said was the same problem. Uh, he had said that he was already at his family doctor, had had an MRI and was referred to a surgeon, uh, but he had to wait a substantial amount of time before he got in to see the surgeon. Uh, so he wanted my uh, second opinion on what was going on. He came in to see me and uh, we we took a look at his shoulder and what was significant, it presented very much like frozen shoulder, which I'm sure a lot of people listening. What is that? Frozen shoulder? Mm -hmm. Well, frozen shoulder, the the medical term is adhesive capsulitis. Uh, What basically happens is when you look at the glenohumeral joint, which is the the shoulder joint, the proper shoulder joint, it's it's held together by a capsule. What can happen? We don't know really why it happens, uh, but sometimes due to trauma or things like diabetes, uh, for whatever reason, what can end up happening is that that capsule just restricts and tightens up. As it tightens up, you start to develop what's called frozen shoulder because now you lose range of motion. Uh, frozen shoulder has an uh, it's self-limiting, which means that if you did nothing, after a period of time, it would go away. Uh, that period of time is based on the research around 18 months to two wow, years. It takes so, a while. so it can take a significant yeah. time, and it's broken down into three stages. Um, the first stage being pain, then uh, the, the, the next stage is uh, loss of range of motion, and then the last phase is the thawing out once it starts to get a little bit better um, and you start to get more range of motion in it. But this gentleman had lost, I'd say, close to 60 to 70% of the full range of motion Jeez. of his shoulder on his dominant side. Okay. Also, physical type of job that he does, so severely affecting his life. Um, wasn't getting any clear answers, and I also thought it was um, interesting with someone who's presenting this way that they would have to wait as long as he was saying that he would have to wait for for a surgical consult. So right away, I was able to get him in right away with uh, with a surgeon that that we have on on our team uh, to take a look at this now. Um, they basically recommended, they looked at the MRI and recommended, yeah, for now, just do therapy before you jump to surgery. Because that's the one thing about the surgeons that I work with. They they are always of the mindset, if you can have a more conservative approach to deal with your problem, that's probably a better initial idea versus jumping straight to surgery. Uh, but, you know, the, the interesting thing was this guy had had no answers whatsoever about what was going on. This is months in the process, not been recommended any therapy, nothing. So we got him started on some therapy uh, with one of the therapists uh, at one of the clinics. And sure enough, within a few treatments, he's already saying that he's about 40 to 50% Jeez, better, nice. which is significant. Um, and so it was interesting. Now, you can't say that all frozen shoulders are going to respond that quickly, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also not unheard of for them to respond that way. And I guess a lot of times people are told the natural history of frozen shoulder, uh, that it you know is an 18-month to 24-month process, and then they believe that they should just leave it and not do anything about it. Everything has a natural history to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole point of therapy, when you intervene, when you have a professional intervene, 
is that you want to expedite that natural history. So instead of it taking 18 months, maybe you can get them better in three months or two months. But obviously, three or two months uh, is, is still a long period of time. But it's not 18 months, right? It's not 24 months where you're living in agonizing pain because that stage of pain with frozen shoulder and anyone that's had it will tell you it's extremely painful. Um, and then, you know, worse, even worse than pain, I think, is loss of function once you can't do the things that you have to do in your daily life. Because especially with our arms, it's something that we're using all the time. All the time. Um, and so once that starts to affect it, I mean, when you see people with frozen shoulder, they can barely lift their their arm, you know, past, uh, you know, maybe 30, 40 degrees uh, in any range. And so it's a significant loss. It's quite painful. Uh, but there are a lot of different therapies that you can do for it. You could do some modality-based work, whether it's an electrical therapy, uh, ultrasound stuff, uh, even things like acupuncture, electrical mm -hmm. acupuncture tend to work very well with it. Another thing that's really important is starting to strip out the muscles, starting to release those muscles that are uh, uh, becoming adhesive because they all attach on the on the capsule. So that becomes uh, an important part of the treatment as well. And obviously, one of the most important things of any treatment plan is the active perspective. Yeah. The, the one thing that I thought was interesting, this gentleman was told by his family doctor that in order to get better, he had to strengthen his shoulder. Uh, and so he wasn't shown any specific exercises. This gentleman, being middle-aged, doesn't really know how to work out well. So he was just kind of going to the gym and doing bicep curls and things, things that are non-specific no. to the shoulder. Um, and so I was able to show him a couple simple exercises right away that, you know, the more important thing is working on range of motion, right? As things get tighter and stronger... They, they becomes worse. So you don't necessarily no. want to intervene in that perspective, but you definitely want to improve range of motion. So there's some good, simple exercises that we got him to do. Again, and all of this is equated into him feeling significantly better in a very short period of time. We'll uh, continue from there. Your phone calls. we got wide open lines, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have health, pain concerns. You want to ask a question, bring it on. We're here until 1 o'clock. The Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio, AM640. Dr. Payne Show, we are here. Your phone calls, bring them on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Frozen shoulder, never had it, does not sound like a good time, though. No, it doesn't. And yeah. again, it, you know, a lot of people come in and, and say, why did this happen? And um, again, we don't really know for sure, based on the medical literature, why it does happen. But we do see that it is most common after some type of trauma. Now, trauma also includes surgery. Sometimes people go get, uh, you know, a, a rotator cuff muscle repaired mm -hmm. or something like that, and then they develop uh, frozen shoulder. But again, trauma, whether it's controlled trauma or uncontrolled trauma, like falling off your bike, it's still trauma to the body. The body just registers it as something that's not supposed to happen. And the other thing is is diabetes, uh, high blood sugar, okay. uh, for whatever reason, seems to cause um, that that present presentation of adhesive capsulitis, where the capsule starts to tighten up. And the thing with high blood sugar, it is uh, corrosive in the bloodstream, and that's why diabetes is such a problem. And it does lead to a lot of different problems. So again, it's not that doesn't mean that everybody with diabetes will get frozen shoulder, gotcha. but it is a predisposition for potentially getting frozen shoulders. So, uh, you know, something to consider. And and what was interesting about this gentleman is once I went through his history, sure enough, he has diabetes. And the other thing was that uh, I then asked him, how well are you controlling your diabetes? 
and not having it controlled very well at all. Uh, so uh, he's already on all the medications for it, but I also recommended uh, a naturopath that works with us. And I said, uh, you know, have a discussion with her and, and also use a, a more natural approach in conjunction yeah. with what you're doing just because you need to get it better controlled. And clearly whatever you're doing, just relying on the medications, it doesn't seem to be enough. And therefore, if it's not enough, helping control that blood sugar will also help prevent these types of issues uh, going forward. But his blood sugar was very, very high on average. Uh, once we investigated. So again, all-encompassing, taking a look at the full physical exam history, uh, you, using my detective work to figure out what's going on and piecing the, the puzzle together. And, and it gave us a, a clear picture of what was going on. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Give us a call. You want to talk between now and one o'clock. You have a pain question or a uh, health question. Bring it on. What else happened this week? Um, lots of, I always, for whatever reason, right. uh, since we've started the show, I see a ton of neurological types of things. Okay. People, I guess when people hear the show, you know, it's not uncommon to feel numbness and tingling, pins and needles sensation, burning sensations. And a lot of those things are neurological types of symptoms. So every week I always have an abundance of people that I either talk to or see uh, in the office uh, that have had a lot of neurological issues going on. And they've basically are at their wits end or not having things explained properly to them, not having the proper investigations. And we're figuring out all cer certain types of things. And, you know, you get all kinds of people. You get the people who think it could be something very, very serious. And it ends up being, well, no, it's not that serious. It's just a tight muscle causing your issue. But then you also have people on the other end of the spectrum where, oh, I think this is maybe just a tight muscle or a disc herniation and ends up being something more serious like a neurodegenerative disorder. Uh, but again, based on a physical exam, and this is, I think, something that's missing uh, in our healthcare system is a good neurological exam can be done in an office. Yeah. You don't need an MRI machine right off the bat. Now, I'm not saying that the, the special imaging isn't important, but in the office, you can do a lot of testing, a lot of neurological testing in the office that will start to point you in the right direction. And also, again, the right questions. That's that I can't, you know, stress that enough about how important uh, the practitioner asking the right questions is because it starts to point them in the right direction. And then your physical exam, you're just ruling in and ruling out the things that you're already thinking. But signs and symptoms in the physical exam, anytime you go to see somebody and they've talked to you for a very short period of time, I, I almost can guarantee that you're getting shortchanged on your health care. The, the, the longest part of the interaction should be the conversation. We'll get to uh, Steve and Whippy opening call. How are you, pal? Not too bad. How are you? Good. What's, uh, what's your concern? So I have two issues. Um, one is uh, a problem with my right wrist and forearm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's mostly due to, because I'm a computer programmer, so I think a lot of it from the mouse and grasping the mouse. Mm -hmm. um, I just aggravated it by doing some heavy uh, lifting work out in the backyard. Um, so now it's quite painful around my wrist mm -hmm. and up my forearm. Right. I'm wondering what what can I do to alleviate that? Cause mm. I don't really want to go through surgery at this point, anyway. So, have you had it checked out at all by anybody, Steve? No, I have not. No. So that that's always the first step because, again, what you're relaying to to us is just merely a symptom. You're saying that there's wrist pain with some arm pain. The next question becomes, okay, well, what's causing that? And so you can have, yes, it could be something like carpal tunnel. It could be something, carpal tunnel is an example of what's called a peripheral entrapment. What that means is essentially when we look at nerves, the nerves come out of the spinal cord and then go, they terminate somewhere. And in the example of carpal tunnel, we're dealing with the median nerve that starts in the neck and goes 
um, into the hand. So what happens is you can have a peripheral entrapment. Peripheral entrapment means that that nerve is being impinged somewhere not at the neck, but somewhere further down, such as in the wrist at the carpal tunnel. You mm -hmm. can The carpal tunnel is just simply a tunnel made by the bones where the nerve has to go through. And so when people have a problem with that tunnel, we call it carpal tunnel syndrome. Yeah. Um, you can equally have entrapment higher up in the forearm. You could have it closer to the shoulder somewhere, or you can have a problem in the neck. Uh, that's that would cause that. that pain down there. Absolutely. Wow. Now okay. you can also, and, and you can keep going further, you can also have problems in the spinal cord and in the brain that are creating problems wow. down there. There's neurodegenerative things or something more serious. Now, most oftentimes it's not related to those things. But I would say, Steve, the first step is always, I, you know, my, my big thing is always try to figure out what the diagnosis is, which should be a professional's job. And once you figure out the diagnosis, that's going to dictate the treatment plan. Mm -hmm. And once you can understand, okay, exactly what's causing the symptom, because let's imagine that you believe it's carpal tunnel, for example, and this happens so much. And it doesn't even just happen with uh, patients and people, but it also happens on the healthcare side. I had a patient this week who um, was told that she had carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, she went to go see a surgeon that said, yep, it's carpal tunnel. We will we, do it. And she said, but are you sure? Because I don't want to go through with surgery totally. if I'm not going to feel better. And so sure enough, she goes through with the surgery. She ends up calling me because she's in the exact same amount of pain. Nice. So what's the problem is that clearly the, the root cause was not the carpal tunnel. There must have been an entrapment somewhere else. And so she's coming in to see me next week to figure it out. But in Steve's case, this is the exact same scenario. You don't want to treat something if you don't know that you that's bet. exactly what it is. So I would say, Steve, first step, give me a call. Let's, let's figure out what's going on. Steve, it's one 855 doctor Lou, D-R-L-O-U. Appreciate the call, by the way. Anyone else want to call through? you got some time right till 1 o'clock. Uh, get your questions answered by Dr. Lou, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. It's a Dr. Payne show. It's right here, Talk Radio, AM 640. Dr. Payne show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Right out there with fibromyalgia is uh, carpal tunnel, the overall diagnosis <laughs> for any pain in the in the wrist. Oh, you got carpal tunnel. That's yeah. what it is. Well, yeah, and again. And that's not good. No, and, and, you know, we do have a saying that what's most common is often most common, mm -hmm. right? That that just does make sense. And, and yeah, anytime someone has wrist pain, you're, you're right. It's it's often, yeah, I have carpal tunnel. Or I have foot pain, it must be plantar fasciitis. It yeah. can't be anything else. Right. Self-diagnosed. Yeah, it's always the same thing. And, I, you know, and so, you know, and I hear it even with the, the back and the spine. Oh, I have a slip disc, this thing of a slip disc, yeah. which isn't even really anything that's real. Uh, <laughs> but, but anyways, or if it is, that's a medical emergency. Cause, yeah, right. Yeah, if, if things are slipping out of place. Uh, but, yeah, and, and that's the problem when you're dealing with people um, who aren't well-versed in the musculoskeletal system. They just will jump to what's most common. I've seen it a million times where I've had referrals with the with the physicians that even I work with, uh, the family docs. And for example, the foot pain. Yeah, patient has foot pain. It's uh, it's plantar fasciitis. Then I take a look at it. It's like, this isn't plantar fasciitis, yeah. right? Like there's a difference. You can't just call every pain that happens in the foot plantar fasciitis and you can't call every pain that happens in the wrist carpal tunnel or a or a torn uh, ligament in in the shoulder, you have to identify what the pain generating source is because in identifying you you then get to a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Once you have a diagnosis, now treatment is rendered properly because if you have a diagnosis that's wrong and you dictate the treatment based on that wrong diagnosis, guess what? You're not going to get better. That's just the reality. And so a lot of people out there are going through some type of treatment plan and they're not getting better. And one of the options on why they're not getting better uh, is that you have the wrong diagnosis. And that's where a second opinion 
is extremely important. What what is really the harm in getting a second opinion? And um, you know, I've heard some people that have called me and said, I, I you know, I do want to come see you, or or you know, I want to come see somebody in your team. Uh, but, you know, I'm afraid that my doctor is going to dismiss me as a patient. I've heard this before, and it's like... To be offended. Yeah, wh- why? Right. Why? Like, I've... There's been times where I've asked my patients to go get a second opinion by someone else that I know, because, again, we don't know everything. Fresh pair of eyes, yeah, right? Yeah, and what's so wrong with putting an extra brain in the mix and trying mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, do they concur? Because that's another thing. If you see multiple professionals and they their findings concur, well, now, now there's more uh, evidence to suggest, okay, this is likely the right diagnosis. Right. Maybe I'm doing something wrong in my treatment. Maybe I'm not being active enough in my treatment or whatever. But having, it's, it's always interesting when you go, when you meet somebody who says I've seen Doctor A, B, C, and D, and they've all told me something different? Well, you got to figure out what's going on. You got to look for consistency because in figuring out what's going on is how you get the right treatment plan. And you know, for whatever reason, it seems to be difficult for people to appreciate that. But you know, I'm here to tell you that that is absolutely how you get the right treatment is by getting the right diagnosis. It's just it's that important. It's that imperative that your diagnosis is right because when your diagnosis is right whoever's treating you or if you're treating yourself in whatever way, you're going to do that based on what you're diagnosed with. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's so important. And that phone call, by the way, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You want to talk to Dr. Lou. That's another thing you had to contend with now is people coming in and, you know, they felt some pain. The first thing they do, grab the keyboard, Google University, Google. Google Med School, yeah, right? And that, that's what they're basing it on. So yeah. it's like, oh, great. You got to backtrack from that now, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And that's dangerous for a couple things. Number one, Google it's impossible like when if you've ever experienced and we've all i guess experienced it to some extent when you speak with a doctor it is impossible for google to take the full extent of your signs and symptoms and come up with your right diagnosis and often people will say their most common symptom Mm -hmm. right oh wrist pain and so of course what's going to come up is carpal tunnel or whatever and you know the nice the, the thing about the internet is it often catastrophizes everything uh and then once you start catastrophizing everything your pain gets worse. Yeah. Why? Because I've said it a million times. Your pain levels are dictated by your brain. Your brain is your processing system. And if your brain is on overdrive because you're now anxious, you're worried about something else, you get what's called pain amplification. Exacerbates your, everything. your yeah. symptoms therefore seem that much worse just by the very nature that you're thinking about it being that much worse. You're like George Costanza. Is it lupus? Is it lupus? <laughs> Got uh, Ari. Is it Aris? Aris, right, yeah. how are you, man? What's going on with you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not that old. I'm, I'm young. I'm about 30. I consider myself young. <laughs> um, basically, I get, uh, I'm a mechanic by trade, and uh, I get sometimes while working, not all the time, um, there's quite a bit of pushing and pulling and straining on the hand, mm-hmm. and I get a little bit of a cramping feeling and a burning sensation at the odd times. Right, okay. I've talked to other. I, I, there's a there's a mechanic that I know uh, uh, really well, and he's a little older gentleman. He he tells me he's he's had arthritis in the hands. He tells me that's early symptoms. I don't know. I'm just wondering what there is, if anything, I can do to prevent this from getting worse down the down the line. So so have you had it checked out at all? No, it's not been severe enough for me to like. It's not been pain in like in the day or anything. Yeah. It won't be while I'm working uh, that I get like this, like a cramp, and then I can sort of shake it off. But yeah. Sometimes so for me, the biggest thing, and I think you would appreciate it the most as a mechanic, you know, with a car. How often does somebody say, "Oh, it's not that severe yet," and then when they finally come see you, it, it could be disastrous, and they could need you know whatever a complete overhaul. And the body works in a similar way that 
these low level things are actually the things that you should try to get checked out because then it prevents it from getting worse. Now, obviously with your type of work, with what you're doing, uh, it's repetitive strain sprain of a certain part of your body. And in this case, it would be your hands. And so anytime you repeatedly strain sprain uh, certain areas of the body, things tighten up, they get weak, et cetera, et cetera. And that can lead to what I was talking about, the peripheral mm -hmm. neuropathy uh, where you, or peripheral entrapment, sorry, where you start getting some type of pressure on a muscle that presses down on a nerve and can create that symptom. But again, that's, that's me hypothetically saying that, yes, it makes sense based on the short conversation that we've had now. But without going into the full history and physical exam on everything, I can't be sure that that wrist pain is just simply related to your um, repetitive strain sprain. Again, it could be something else. It could be something in the neck. It could be something somewhere else. That, And that's the important part to often figure out when you have these low-level aches and pains. The only way something gets really bad is it has to start low level, right? And and so I would definitely encourage you to get it checked out because uh, when you get it checked out when it's not that bad is when your prognosis is actually better. That's when things can often get better, if that makes sense. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. Cool. Give us a call. 1-855-55-DR-L-O-U. Email info at paincarecanada.com. You want to call in today to 1 o'clock. We'd love to chat with you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Lots more. Dr. Payne Show coming up. Talk radio, AM 640. Taking your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And uh, Peter, good afternoon. How are you, pal? Good afternoon. I'm fine. Excellent. What's your concern? It's my wife. <laughs> she, she, she's been having for years, having terrible nightmares. Now, I know it's not pain, but it almost seems like pain. Well, it's a form of, of pain, right? Yeah. But go ahead, yeah. Well, just our family doctor, you know, she's asked him and many times, and he just doesn't seem to have any answers and you know, or anywhere to send her or what mm -hmm. she should be doing. Mm -hmm. but, but sometimes, she, you know, she wakes up and she's practically terrified that she's, she's going to have a heart attack or something with them. Okay. And, you know, they're fairly consistent too. It's not, you know, just not just once a week or once a month. It's, she seems to be having them almost every night. What what type of nightmare is it? Well, it's nothing in particular, you oh, know. Just nightmares, yeah. Just just strange things that that, you know, when she ta talks to me about them. Of course, I don't even dream, so I don't know what's going on, but mm -hmm. it evidently t turns out that my my daughter and my son also have they don't have them so bad, but every now and again they're they're having a nightmare too and Okay, and like I feel sorry for, her, but I, with me not having any, I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. I wondered if you had heard anything. You know. Yeah. Your, well, yeah, I've definitely heard of of people that have nightmares. What I can tell you is on that front, uh, the biggest thing is is some type of psychological intervention. Speaking to a psychologist about that, uh, often nightmares can be related to some underlying type of psychological trauma that's there, uh, mm -hmm. and trying to figure that out, that may be an option. One of the other things, not necessarily related to nightmares, but related to dreaming in general, is oftentimes people that have, uh, you know, don't use up all the energy in their body during the day, and especially have, you know, a lot to eat prior to going to sleep, and especially in the form of of sugars like carbohydrates, starches, things like that, uh, okay. because that's the brain's primary source of energy. Okay. Tend to there tends to be an instance of more active dreaming, vivid dreaming, uh, more yeah. vivid dreaming. Yeah, and so and and the whole reason for that is because your body has this excessive calories in it, and it's just simply trying to use it. And at night, the only way to use up more of it is send it to the brain. And as the brain becomes more active, it therefore does what it does during night, and and that's dream. Um, so, so and I, and I, like this it. may not be you know yeah. I'm I'm not suggesting that this is the absolute answer for your wife. I'm just kind of uh, you know thinking out loud and 
and telling you what I've seen before. But, uh, you know, sometimes getting exercise involved and most psychologists will recommend, you know, proper diet uh, exercise and also some type of speaking to somebody about what's going on is, is an all encompassing approach that that may help to diminish uh, what's going on with her. Yeah, because she does eat very late. And, you know, I've often said to her, I don't think you should be eating, you know, that close to bedtime. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, well, anyway. that may be, you know, and again, a lot of this stuff is experimental. So maybe step one is try eliminating food, you know, right. four hours After before or, whatever, or something yeah. uh, and see if that helps her nightmares. And if it does, then you kind of start a lot of a lot of pain management, even though this is like you said, not necessarily physical pain, but a lot of it is trying to look for the common features of what um, creates it. And so one way is is trial and error. And in this case, you know, if she is eating close to bed, maybe try try eliminating that and and, and even go one step further and maybe introduce a 30-minute walk uh, okay. after her last meal. So that way she's burned even more energy and maybe it tires her out enough to, to actually go into more restful sleep that is nightmare-free. Now, again, I, you know, I'm obviously not a psychologist that deals with nightmares, but uh, I would say definitely psychological, speaking to a psychologist about this, uh, maybe something to consider, but you know, trying those other things, I, I don't think would hurt. It'd be interesting okay. too. This might be still on the same lines as doing like a headache diary, do like a nightmare diary. You know, what happened to when she didn't eat yeah. four hours before bed? What happened when she went for a walk? For sure. And, and, they, and know, again, keep track of I, it. I can't comment for sure on how a psychologist would approach this, but I can't. I can imagine that that's probably close to what they would want to do. Anyways, is, is create some type of diary to follow through with, uh, you know, where this is all coming from. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Peter. We we'll get to Sam before the break. Hello, Sam. Yeah, hello. What's going on? Yeah, we're going back to carpal tunnel. Yep, no problem. Yeah. it's. Uh, I just got uh, went to the doctor two weeks ago, yep. and I told him it's uh, right at the palm of my hand and it's in my wrist, and I can see the veins are enlarged. Okay. What I want to know from you, if it's, if, it, if it's possible with an ultrasound or MRI to, you know, like, like you said, you stated before, you want to be sure what it is, right? Yeah. Okay, so what, what, what would you suggest? It's been about three months for me, and I do yoga. I don't know if I should keep doing it because you're on your wrist sometimes, eh? Right, yeah. Well, so, so step one would be, I, I believe, good physical testing. There's some good tests that you can do for carpal tunnel just simply that a doctor can do mm-hmm. uh, that can start to point you, okay, is that where the entrapment is happening? Imaging becomes important, but but what the best thing to pick up a peripheral or a, a peripheral um, entrapment. entrapment is is usually some type of, of nerve conduction study where they put pins along the nerve and they send electricity through the nerve and they see okay where is the signal getting blocked right hmm. and, and that that starts to to tip you off and if the signal is getting blocked at the carpal tunnel well then it's carpal tunnel syndrome if it starts getting blocked at the neck then it's some type of an impingement at the neck so I I would say more specific than an ultrasound, again, I, I, MRI is going to be better for sure, but even that may not reveal a lot of information. It may reveal something like, you know, if there's arthritis in the joint impinging on the nerve, potentially there, but usually the nerve conduction studies uh, are the best uh, initial step for figuring out where the entrapment is happening. Okay, thanks a lot. I'll, I'll mention it to my doctor. See no if problem. There's a specialist he can send me to. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate the call. You want to call through? Got some time. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Free consultations with Dr. Lou as well. You want to go to info at paincarecanada.com. We'll continue more of the Dr. Pain Show. Talk radio, AM 640. Yeah, that is the number. You got about 15 minutes to call through. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Amir, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you guys? Good. What's going on with you? 
Oh, thanks. Um, okay, so I felt okay. So I'm about 35 years old. About 10, 15 years ago, I fell off my bicycle on my shoulder. Okay. Now, once in a while, like I can do every kind of exercise. I can swim. I can do everything. Tennis. Nothing bothers me. But if I do weights and if I do shoulder presses, once I go up with the dumbbells, I can't. I can't control them anymore. Sometimes they actually fall. And now in the past week, it's been really hurting a lot. Maybe ever since I started turning on the AC in the car. Mm. So I just want to know what you think about this. Have you? You've had shoulder pain since you fell. On and off, not not normally, not when I'm not doing anything. Only when I uh, lift weights. Did you ever have it looked at? No, no. So th- this highlights that point again, which is again when you deal with uh, issues when they're more acute and and much less severe, you always have a better chance of recovering from them and then and therefore preventing further reoccurrences. The reality about when things become chronic is that unfortunately, as time goes on and our body wears and tears even more, even though you're not very old yet, I think you said, uh, but as you get older, it will become more and more of a nuisance. Now, that doesn't mean that it's impossible to do anything for now. It just means that it makes it that much harder because now you're, you know, whoever is going to intervene with you, uh, whatever therapist, now has to fight against 10 or 15 years of improper healing and and other things that happen, scar tissue and all that stuff. Um, and oftentimes with shoulder injuries, it is common for people to say that shoulder press, when they do that type of movement in the gym, really starts to affect them. Now, again, it, you know, it's very hard to say over the phone exactly what is wrong with the shoulder because we're just really talking about a symptom, which is shoulder pain. Um, and then, as I mentioned, the most important thing is figuring out, well, what is the pain generating source of that? Is it a muscle potentially? Is it the capsule? Is it a nerve, et cetera, et cetera? And, and all that has to be done in the form of a physical exam, obviously, because I'd have to look at the shoulder, talk to you, see what's going on. Uh, but that doesn't mean that your issue is impossible to deal with. It just means that, you know, it's it's not as easy as just a, a quick tip, you know, over the phone or a Google tip or whatever that will help your shoulder. But the one thing that I can tell you for sure that you can start doing immediately is listen to your body. If any activity that you do bothers your shoulder, that's your body telling you, don't, I don't want you to do that, sho- that, that activity anymore. So I would say step one is if shoulder press is bugging you, eliminate shoulder press because yeah. it's not going to help it. It's probably going to make it worse. And that, that's pretty consistent, not just with shoulder injuries, but any type of injury. If your body is saying, ow, that hurts and I can't do it, then that means you should be stopping that activity. Okay. Makes okay. sense? Okay. Yes, Give us a call. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou Amir is the number. One eight five 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 D R L O U. And you go to Doctor Lou on social media as well. D R L O U, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all the good stuff. Instagram. I know you love. Yeah, you spend hours on it. <laughs> yeah, sure you do. No, Phil, it's my wife takes care right. of all that. Hey, stuff. Phil, how are you, pal? Hello. Good. Hi. How are you? I'm not too bad, uh, Doctor Lou. Yes, um, sir. I have a problem with uh, the base of my thumb. Okay. Uh, it's all the way at the bottom there, and it's like a sharp pain when I use my thumb. Okay. When I asked my doctor, he goes, ah, it's probably arthritis, and that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> but it's, but my hand is starting to, like, I'm starting to drop things out of my hand because, you know, the pain is quite acute. Right. And I'm having trouble holding things. So yep. that's arthritis, and I'm surprised that, like, I t- talk to a lot of my friends. That's not a, a specific area where you get arthritis, is it? It can be, depending on what you do. You can develop wear and tear anywhere in the body. Uh, And, you know, the hands are very common because of how much stuff we do. So, yeah, definitely at the base 
of of the thumb is is potential to have arthritis for sure. Number one, uh, number two. Once you start talking about when people start saying to me, and again, this comes back to the the investigation, the detective work. When people say weakness and dropping things, that to me starts to indicate, okay, well, why would something become weak? What supplies our muscles for motor function, which is strength, is nerves. And so to me, already right off the bat, one of the things that I'd want to look at is, is there any nerve involvement? Is it something, carpal tunnel is a perfect example, could refer pain there, could the the nerve, the, the median nerve goes to the first three digits, including the thumb. So it could be something, some type of an entrapment in the wrist, which could be carpal tunnel. It could be somewhere higher all the way up to the neck and even higher than that. Um, so those are all very, very important things. And even from a neurodegenerative standpoint, you always have to consider uh, with the hands that it ha- could be something in the spinal cord and brain. Again, very, very rare, but should not be dismissed. Uh, it needs to be taken a look at. You can't see that. That's the thing. It drives me crazy when I hear stories like yours, Phil, where it's like you mention it to somebody. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's just, yeah, it sounds, it sounds yeah. like sounds arthritis. Like. like, okay, well, you know, then take an x-ray. An x-ray will reveal, is it arthritic? At the very least, uh, intervene somehow to, to, or even move it. Did your doctor even grab your thumb, move it around and feel it? You can start to feel when there's arthritic changes, especially in very superficial areas like the hand. And so, yeah, I would say step one, number one, is get it looked at properly, uh, for sure, and and get a, someone who's going to consider all the options that could lead to that type of symptom. Uh, and then once you've considered all the options, now you start ruling in and ruling out those options. So, um, you know, and again, obviously not something that can be done over the phone, but give us a call, uh, Phil, and we can uh, get you in and, and get you to see somebody who can help you for sure. Did he just give you the verbal fill or did he manipulate it at all? Uh, just a verbal. Just yeah. a verbal. That was it, eh? Yeah, that's no, not good it. enough. Not Excellent. acceptable. Nice. Thanks, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Enjoy the you. Range Rover. Uh, 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on cell. We'd love to take a few more of your calls. Last uh, 10 minutes or so of the Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. And it's Dr. Lou on social as well. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Check it out. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-U. Uh, get that free consultation. Have any info yep. at paincarecanada.com. Sure. Pe- people should be taking advantage of that. Totally. And they are. As time goes on, I get a lot of calls. If I don't get back to you right away, understand I have a lot of things that I'm going through, mm-hmm. but I do get back to everybody eventually, usually within 48 hours. Uh, you know, with rare exceptions, if I've had... Uh, for whatever reason, a really busy week, it might be a little bit more than that, but sure. I do do my best uh, to get back to everybody right away. And it's it's the same thing that happens here. People are calling uh, just to be pointed in the right direction, and that's all it is. There's a, It's no commitment. There's no charge. It's just simply a conversation with me in private uh, where we can talk about what's going on. And, and if it's something that I believe me and my team can help with, then I'll, I'll offer that option. If I believe you have to go somewhere else, that's the other option. So, um, you know, again, it is something to take advantage of because it's not, you know, not it's not available everywhere. And this right. is really the only place it's available where a doctor is taking your calls. You know, uh, you might as well take advantage of it. Got a, still got to slide in a call here if you got uh, if you got the wherewithal. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell would be the number. A couple of callers back, he was talking about the frozen, or at least the bike, uh, fell off his bike and had problems since then, 10 to 15 years ago. You talked about the importance of getting in there early. You might have scar tissue build up, have to break it back down. Is it, would it be smart to say, or would it be likely to say that if he started physio, you'd have to warn him that you could have increased pain as we start to break it down and before it starts to get better. Absolutely. And that's going to turn a lot of people off. Oh, it hurts more. I'm not going back. Yes. And and you know what? That's a great point. And, And we try to do a very good job of always telling people that your initial symptoms could exacerbate because mm-hmm. yeah of course 
you're going into something and now you're going to start moving it into ranges that it hasn't been moved into. Right. You're going to start poking and prodding all these things. And absolutely. And, and you know, it's funny. I meet a lot of people that say, oh, I went for one treatment and I got worse and I stopped. And, and it's not really their fault because the therapist they saw didn't tell them, well, that could be normal. And then I always talk to people. I say, well, that's not that bad. I always say treatment is like investing your money in the stock market. You're not looking for day to day. You're looking at your long term plan. If someone has said, OK, this type of injury takes, I don't know, three weeks to get better. Mm -hmm. What you're looking for is that from when you started to three weeks from there, that you're overall up. There's going to be right. ups and downs in that stock market and that healing phase for sure. Caroline, hello. Hi, good morning, doctor. Hi, Carolyn, go ahead. Uh, my husband is 80. Yep. He's, he's in great shape. He's fit. Mm -hmm. not, a, a, not fat anywhere. Okay. Uh, eats well, no sugars. But I find lately it looks to me like his head is falling forward. Okay. Uh, yeah, posture related. I noticed the other day, I don't know whether it's his back mm -hmm. or whether it's actually his head. But I keep saying straighten up. You know? Yep. So as one thing that's very common as we start to age is wear and tear in the spine. As the spine starts to wear and tear, you start to get impingement on what's called the IVF, which is where the nerve root comes out. As that starts to happen, your body, as it flexes forward, your IVFs actually open up a little bit. And so sometimes with that process of that hole closing up is called stenosis. As that uh. happens... People tend to, they, and this is very common, where people say, oh, I've noticed my husband or my dad or whatever, or my wife or my, my mother is starting to, to slump more. And I tell them, stand up straight. They can't stand up straight. Sometimes that's just their body doing that to prevent further injury. Now, that's me, again, generalizing. I don't know for sure right. uh, with your husband, but it is something that we could take a look at. A set of uh, spine x-rays may not be a bad idea to figure out, is there some stenosis happening? And if so, it may likely... Uh, you know, give us the reason why that's happening, or it might just be posture related. There might be a weakness in a muscle happening. Yeah. There could be a million reasons, but uh, it's not as easy as saying straighten up because sometimes the body actually wants you to do that right. to prevent further injury, whether it's a muscle, a joint, a stenosis. So yeah, you know, is there, is there something you can do about it? Well, it again, it depends on what the cause is, uh, and well, if let's say it's just spinosis, is that yeah? There's there's exercises and things that he could do to to help prevent the progression. There's not going to be much that you can do to eliminate it fully, but you could prevent the progression for sure. Carolyn, I'm going to give you a number uh, moving forward. This number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou again one eight five 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 D R L O U, and uh, give uh, Doctor Lou a call and follow up for sure. Mike, you got the uh, final call today. What's going on? Uh, hey, Mike. Still there? Reception issues. Mike is driving through a tunnel. You still got us there, Mike? Uh, yeah. There you are. What's going on? I, I barely hear you, but... Taking my call. Uh, my question around... Um, so uh, you sort of just touched on it. It's around posture. Yeah. And um, and my uh, and my trapezoid. So the traps are swollen due to my... I was wondering, is it posture-related or... Could have something to do with nerves. So I, I didn't hear the full thing because you're cutting out, but what I think I heard was that your traps are sore. Uh, you think it may be uh, posture-related and that there's some type of symptom going on there. Could it also be nerve? Absolutely. This is the thing. You can never eliminate any option until mm -hmm. you've actually gone through it and made sure that it's not 
those things. And anytime you look at someone, you're always dealing with what you want to try to eliminate or rule in what's most serious first and then move down the line. Obviously, right. the most benign, you know, a simple muscle is a better issue than a nerve involvement. So anytime I'm looking at a patient, it's it's always a hierarchy of is it something potentially malignant, right? That's number one. Uh, once you start ruling that out, is it something potentially visceral being caused from a nerve somewhere else? And then you move towards the muscular thing. So, you know, the, the basic premises here is give me a call, let, come in and see me, uh, free consultations. We can figure this stuff out. People don't have to live in pain. They don't have to be in pain long periods of time. Get Deal with these issues early, even though they seem small and insignificant now, they can become significant later. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Dr. Lou on social as well. Till next time, the Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio, AM 640.